In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to be here with us this morning, and we trust that you are a keeper of promises and that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, Today we celebrate what uh, the church has called the incarnation, that is, what we sometimes call the birth of Christ, his coming to be human among us. He came to us on Christmas, and we say that he became incarnate, that is, something physical, something you can grab, hold on to. Uh, Doesn't that sound nice? A Jesus that you can actually see and touch and talk to? So often, I think we feel that God is just the opposite, fleeting, mercurial, distant, We wish that he was right here, that he would answer our questions, but mostly we feel like we're shouting our questions out into the void and not getting much of a response. And so we come here on Christmas to celebrate this incarnation, this coming of Christ to be like us, to be one of us, because it's such a comforting story, the story of a God out there who came to us down here, who came to be with us, who came to know us, and of course, who came to save us. So isn't it funny then that the other 50 weeks of the year, we don't think about the Lord this way at all, right? We, we sort of reserve this for Christmas and Easter, right? These are the sort of holy holidays where we, we think about God coming to us as this sort of wonderful, one-way thing, but The other weeks, we understand somehow are different. This is why, not that any of you feel this way, you're the hardcore folks who are here on Christmas morning, but you've heard of people perhaps who come to church on Christmas and Easter only. Again, you've heard of them, maybe one of your friends. But it's pretty clear that Christmas and Easter are special, that they're unique, that there's something about those services that gets even the folks who wouldn't ordinarily come. And why is that? Obviously, this is a question that we preachers ask ourselves a lot. Maybe it's just that all of our other sermons aren't that great. But in my opinion, Christmas and Easter are the only two times you can be really sure that you can come to church and the preacher's not going to make you feel bad about yourself. It's hard to mess up Christmas and Easter. On Christmas, we have a little baby, On Easter, we have a risen Savior. Every other week, we're a little bit iffy. Every so often, sort of as as evidence of this, I'll run into a parishioner out in the real world. I wonder if it's the same for you as it was for me when I'd see one of my elementary school teachers in the store. Sort of a real shock to see them out of their normal space. Like, oh my God, the evil across the hall sixth grade 
teacher who eats whole onions, uh, he, he likes the same kind of peanut butter that I do. I'm not sure how to deal with this information because it suggests that he's an actual human being. But when I run into a parishioner out in the world, the conversation always goes the same way. I'll say, hey, nice to see you. And they'll say, hi, how are you? I've really been meaning to come to church more often. <laughs> this is the first thing out of their mouth. You see what happens? They feel judged by me, just by my presence. My, my very existence inspires guilt in people. The smile on my lips and the charming gleam in my eye has no effect at all. The simple fact that I'm a minister at the church they feel they ought to be going to reminds them that they don't come as often as they think they're supposed to, or at least that I expect them to. We're really going to start trying to come from now on, they say. And I smile and say, see you at Christmas. <laughs> I don't actually say that, but if I, if I did, it would be pretty true, right? The effect that I'm having on these parishioners, we theologically refer to this as the law, right? The rules. I'm judging them by my presence, whether I intend to or not. This is how the law works. And you're all familiar with how this works. The law exists to show us where we're going wrong, right? Speed limits exist to keep us from going too fast. Compulsory elementary education exists to keep us from teaching our children that two plus two is five and, and so on. In the world, apparently, I exist to remind people that they're not coming to church often enough. I wish this weren't the case, but I think it is. And I think that this is how we think of God most of the time. He exists to judge us and to make us feel bad about ourselves. I saw um, a picture on someone's Facebook wall the other day that was of Santa Claus, and it said, works one day a year, spends the other 364 judging you. And while that was Santa Claus, I think this is sometimes how we think of God. He's nice to us on Christmas and Easter, but every other day of the year, he's judging us. Sitting up there in the clouds with his long white beard and looking down to see how we're measuring up to the example that he sent us, his son, Jesus Christ. And so it goes, week after week, with the result that when we think about God, we feel pretty bad. And most churches don't help. You go and you get some guy up in these robes standing up there telling you how you ought to be living your life. This is what Jesus was like, so this is what you ought to be like too. And so it goes, week after week. And that's why we feel bad when we think about God. But there's something about this one day, right? Something different about this one. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah. The Lord. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. 
Do not be afraid, the angel says to the shepherds who are quaking in their boots. They're afraid of God just like you. The angel says, you're wrong about this Jesus who is to come. He's not just some holy measuring stick against which you'll continue to be measured. He's not just an example that you'll try and fail to live up to. The angel says, I am bringing you good news of great joy to all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. The angel doesn't say one word about an example. Not one word about a measuring stick. Not one word about what would Jesus do. He makes no mention of the law, of the requirements, or the rules. He simply says he has good news for all people. A Savior has come. The angel has an announcement for people who aren't so good at keeping the rules. Breaking the law, coming short of the requirements. This is who the angel speaks to. I am bringing you good news of great joy. To you is born a Savior. This incarnation, the coming of a Savior, is what Christmas is all about. God coming to us. When we imagine a a holy God sitting up there in the clouds, it's easy to imagine a God who is waiting for us to climb a mountain to get to him. I'm right here, he seems to be saying. Just get to work. Climb that mountain of righteousness, that mountain of being a good father, that mountain of holiness, that mountain of being a loving wife, and get to me. Come on, I'm waiting. But that's not our God. Our God came down at Christmas, came in the form of an infant for whom there wasn't even room in the inn. Christmas is what makes Christianity unique. Every other religion or system of thought or philosophy constructs a situation in which people have to do good things to achieve closeness with God. Christianity alone has a God who comes to us before we do anything good or, more accurately, in spite of our failure to do those good things. In our reading from Paul's letter to Titus this morning, the apostle writes, When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. This is what we celebrate on Christmas. When we sing joy to the world, this is what we're joyful about. When we sing, when we sing, it came upon a midnight clear, this is what came. The goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, and he saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. The words of the angel are just as true today as they were then. Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy, which will be for all people, to you, 
to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. Let us be people who remember this good news all 52 weeks of the year. This will certainly be a place that proclaims it. Jesus Christ is not Santa Claus. He doesn't work one night a year and spend the other 364 judging you. Jesus Christ is the incarnation of a loving God. He is God's loving kindness, sent down from a God who didn't wait for us to get to him, but who, on Christmas, started his rescue mission to save us. Amen.